You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Coming up, we speak with the CEOs of the Commonwealth Bank and Domain. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 14th of February 2024. It's Valentine's Day. We'll speak with James Garish from Shore & Partners later in the show to see what happened on the share market today, including the reaction to the stronger-than-expected inflation report out of the US. But first, profit reporting season rolls on in Australia and the Commonwealth Bank posted a 3% fall in half-year cash profit to $5 billion. But margins are being squeezed from tougher competition in deposits and home loans. For more, I spoke with its CEO, Matt Common. Matt, your economists see three rate cuts this year and another three next year. That's more than many other economists out there. So what are you seeing in the economy that others aren't? And what worries you about the economic outlook? Thanks very much, Ricardo. Well, I guess a couple of things. Clearly, the last few years have taught us that you know economic forecasting is a, is a difficult game. And we can see the uncertainty associated with rate cuts, I think, There's a lot of speculation and expectation, understandably, that uh, rates will come down in many markets around the world. It's going to absolutely be data dependent. And so I think the RBA has done a very good job of clearly articulating what they'll be looking for in terms of returning to the target band of inflation. Obviously, a close eye on uh, unemployment and the jobs numbers will be out uh, tomorrow. And so, look, we do anticipate that there may be a rate cut before the end of this calendar year. But there's a lot of, uh, I think, economic data. We've seen some uh, data which was unexpected in the US uh, overnight and just gives you a sense of the uncertainty. I mean, fundamentally, we think the year ahead will be challenging for many of our customers, but we're absolutely here to be able to help and support them. And that's what we're focused on. We know that interest rate rises have a lagged effect. So to what extent are you worried about an expected uptick in arrears and impairments? And what does it mean for homeowners? That's a very good point. And to illustrate that, the uh, November rate hike would actually start to flow through for uh, mortgage customers across all of the banks basically in this month. And so, it gives you, as you said, it gives you a sense of the lag effect. We've seen a slight increase in the number of customers who are behind on their repayments, but it's still much lower than it was uh, pre-COVID. We expect that that will continue to to tick up over the course of the year. But also, I think importantly, we're also very conscious that even though many of our customers or almost all of our customers are making their repayments, there's varying degrees of difficulty. When you have such a big increase in interest rates across the economy and there's broader pressures from higher prices and cost of living, We can see and we hear that directly from our customers. And so there's a number of things that we've worked on to make sure we're here to help and support our customers through this time. And fundamentally, we remain optimistic about the long-term prospects for Australia. One of my favourite charts on your presentation today was that on the generational divide, that young people are more affected by rate rises than those that are older. So what kind of issues does this bring and how can you address it? Well, the first part, I mean, a few things that that we see, I mean... Firstly, uh, younger customers, this makes perfect sense, they tend to have uh, less savings, uh, less sort of financial buffers. 
what we're also seeing in terms of spend in, in one of the slides that you're referring to, we split out uh, be- between essential and discretionary. A much higher proportion of younger customers we're seeing is essential. There's not as much discretionary as there is for some of our uh, older customers. I'd say first and foremost, what's on people's minds is clearly just cost of living higher prices. I mean, inflation hurts everybody. And as we think about for many of our customers, what we hear and of course, uh, having access to the housing market or just having access to you know, affordable uh, housing in the right areas. And, of course, we can't solve many of those problems by ourselves. Um, it's such an important topic for both uh, governments, a federal, state, of course, financial institutions. There's many parties that need to play a role here in terms of making sure there's a very strong and there currently isn't sufficiently strong supply of housing that's going to be coming onto the market for people looking to purchase, but also enough rental stock that's also going to uh, accommodate and the infrastructure to be able to support that, like transport. Margins are under pressure, both from deposits and home loans, and you're losing market share on the home loan segment, uh, down from 258 to 25.3% of the market. Are customers leaving the Commonwealth Bank because they can get better deals elsewhere? It's a very competitive market and we're, we're very conscious of that. We, uh, as we looked at some of the, I think, unsustainable uh, practices that we were seeing in the market, we of course want to be uh, very competitive for our existing customers. We perhaps weren't competing as hard in terms of winning new customers for part of calendar 2023. That's a little bit more of the market share story specifically around home loans. We've continued to do extremely well and grow share substantially in a number of other areas of our business. Uh, We're focused on making sure that we're uh, banking our customers holistically. They have their main relationship with them through uh, the various life stages, and that's of critical importance to us strategically. Given your flexible approach to work, I'm keen to get an update on the proportion of workers who are working from home and your take on the government's latest IR changes, especially the right to disconnect. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I mean... Hybrid working, we believe, is going to be uh, an important uh, feature of our workplaces for many years to come. As you probably know, we communicated consistently for uh, several years that we have a you know, general expectation that people will still be coming into the office about 50% of the time. Uh, we've seen those sorts of numbers be reached. Um, and so we're trying to get the balance right between what's in the best interest of our customers, people's uh, development, career prospects, as well as being able to balance other factors. Uh, and so that will be a continuing, uh, I guess, basis of discussion uh, between us and all of our people. And then secondly, specifically as it relates to the right to disconnect, I mean, for a long time, we, we've had uh, very clear policies around making sure we're looking after our people's uh, physical and mental well-being. It's, of course, really important. helps them do a great job looking after our customers. And then specifically, I think legislation like that should apply uh, quite differently. I mean, I, I think most people would understand that we're a 24 by 7 business. Our services, particularly a lot of our technology, has to be operating all of the time. I think there should be a very different expectation on a customer service specialist in branch versus a cyber expert after hours or a senior executive uh, who would there be a reasonable expectation that they will be available. And I think that reasonableness is an important aspect to make sure we get the balance right between uh, flexibility and, of course, well-being. Finally, what do you see as the next big thing in tech or AI? Well, there's a couple of things that we're working on, I think, technology and specifically around some of the developments 
in AI, as you mentioned, I think will be a feature across many industries for the next few years. Uh, one of the things we're hoping to bring to market uh, in the first half of this calendar year will be a, a ComBank co-pilot to be able to help our customers both with any information they might uh, like or need, hopefully be able to provide some useful advice and feedback on spend patterns. It's really part of our investment to make sure that we're providing the best insights and value to our customers to help them manage, manage their money simply and safely. That's Matt Common there from the Commonwealth Bank. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. To the Australian share market now, which did fall. The S&P ASX 200 down 0.74%, 7,547. It follows some uh, hotter-than-expected inflation numbers out of the US overnight. I spoke with James Gerrish from Shoreham Partners for more, but first asked him about the Commonwealth Bank numbers. James, a big day for profit reports. The biggest one, the Commonwealth Bank, a $5 billion cash half-year profit. Shares, though, fell today on the news, but they have been trading at record highs. What do you make of it and the challenges the bank's facing? Yeah, it was a great result coming out of CBA today. So uh, cash profit was about 2% ahead of of market expectations. Uh, Asset quality is good. Their capital position is really strong. The dividend was up. Uh, uh, year on year. So that's all, you know, they're all positive metrics around uh, CBA. One thing I'd call out is cash profits um, still made, were still down 3% on the period. So when you get cash earnings down, but dividends up, that doesn't last um, forever. Uh, the other things around net interest margins. So there's still a little bit of pressure in terms of their margins, more so now from the deposit side, the funding side, as opposed to the, the, the mortgage side, the lending side. So in the second half, 23, it was all around competition in the mortgage market. We're now seeing a lot more competition uh, in the, uh, the the deposit side. So that's keeping some pressure on NIMS. And as you rightly point out, stock at all-time highs, uh, it had to be a good result today. It was a good result today. The broader market's probably a little bit weak, and that's dragging down uh, CBA share prices as a result. As I mentioned, a big day for profits. What else have you been keeping your eye on? Yeah, I was interested to read through uh, the DEXIS numbers uh, today as well. They're obviously Australia's largest office landlord. Uh, they produced some really good numbers for the first half. Uh, they're ahead of market expectations. They've guided for the full year to be in line with market expectations. The thing I'd highlight is around um, the decline in the value of their uh, assets, their NTA. So they've guided to a decline of 7.7% for the half. The market's still pricing their shares at a 20-odd percent discount to NTA. So there's a lot of negativity already baked into these valuations of real estate investment trusts, particularly those focused on the office side. So uh, that to me was a a better result than perhaps feared. And uh, the stock price is down. I'm a little bit surprised that it's down as, um, you know, it's down 1.4% against a wider backdrop of, of weakness across the board. What's profit reporting season so far telling you about the way businesses have been managing costs in an inflation environment and the economic outlook? I think it tells you they've done a, they're doing a great job. I mean, we've seen obviously a huge, uh, a huge uplift in inflation uh, over the past 12 months. That is that is easing now. Um, but companies I'd highlight uh, would be, you know, JB Hi-Fi would be an example. Nick Scarley is an example where margins are under a little bit of 
precious still, um, but they're better than they uh, could have been. So they're managing the cost side of things well. They had to because of those inflationary um, pressures that were uh, really evident over the past 12 months. Um, but they're coming out the other side. So, you know, we've had a better economic outcome uh, here in Australia um, than perhaps for year 12 months ago. And, and companies are, are benefiting from that. And we're seeing that through the reporting season. The other thing I'd highlight, Ricardo, is just around... Uh, market positioning. There's a lot of stocks out there where uh, investors have been really uh, favourable on, really uh, bullishly positioned, uh, and unless they meet their meet their numbers, they're getting uh, hit pretty hard. And that's been one of the, the themes as well this reporting season. As you mentioned, inflation is starting to moderate, but overnight we saw inflation coming a bit stronger than expected in the US at 3.1% annually. The Australian share market took a hit. The Australian dollar took a hit as a result. Um, What's this likely to mean for interest rate expectations both globally and here in Australia? And what's the general mood of the market? So there's been a shift uh, in probably more in the last couple of weeks in terms of global interest rates. Um, Jerome Powell, uh, Fed Fed, uh, chair over in the US, has uh, sort of downplayed expectations around interest rate cuts over in the US. So in December of 23, uh, there was you know five to six uh, rate cuts priced into the US market. Uh, leading into last night's number, there was sort of four to five cuts expected. Uh, now the market pricing is around three to four cuts. So it's about three and a half cuts priced into the market. Um, and the first cut is not priced until um, until May of this year. So it was going to be, um, you know, interest rates are expected to be down earlier than that. In Australia, we're expecting um, sort of two interest rate cuts this year. That's ratcheted back to a shade over one. Um, and we're not expecting our first cut until September. So there has been a marked change in terms of market positioning around interest rates. That's James Garish there from Shaw and Partners. Finally, another profit result coming out today came from Domain. Uh, earnings before interest and tax rising 41.6% to $47.5 million for the half year. And that follows uh, what's being called a normalisation of listings for more, here's its CEO, Jason Pellegrino. property market is at an interesting point. It's coming off very poor listing volumes, an environment where there was the shock and awe of rapid interest rate rises caused both buyers and sellers to pause because they weren't sure what was happening. You know, we had conflicting messages from government, from the RBA. Uh, we had you know the rise of geopolitical conflicts overseas, uh, rapid rise of interest rates across the world in the US and the UK. And so people just decided to sit still. However, the vast majority of property transactions in Australia are driven by people wanting to buy and sell homes, not investments, but homes, which means that's driven by demographics, births, deaths, marriages, divorces, and the like. And that doesn't change. So people were sitting on the sidelines, but they were sitting on the sidelines temporarily. Whilst interest rates haven't declined, the expectation of people being certain around what levels that they are going to be at has increased dramatically. And because of that, we've seen a rapid rise in listings in Sydney and Melbourne particularly. So Sydney and Melbourne, we've seen listing volumes growth of in the high 20% uh, across the market and on our platform. We're still seeing Queensland and Western Australia trail that, uh, still coming off the bottom of sort of poor performance. Performances. And so, in, to some extent, we're still seeing improvement out there. So, the two trends we're seeing is firstly a return to normal property cycles. Sydney and Melbourne always lead the national property cycle. Queensland follows, WA follows after that. And that's what we're seeing. The second interesting aspect that we're seeing is a, a, an absolute polarization of markets. 
So in premium Sydney and Melbourne suburbs, probably in the areas with higher median price points, but but less exposure to mortgages or financing to buy those properties, really strong performance, very strong performance, good listing volumes, but high price growth. At the other end of the spectrum, we're seeing some challenging market environments from a price perspective, from a volume perspective, outside of Sydney and Melbourne, regional New South Wales, regional Victoria, Queensland particularly. And so you are seeing the impacts of cost of living pressures, of high interest rates and mortgage and affordability, and some levels of uncertainty around economic activity, job security and the like play into those markets. You are seeing that even at a micro level, really strong performance in apartments, less strong performance in houses. That's because the supply side of apartments has been deeply restricted. This is the fifth year in a row that we've seen a lack of supply coming onto market, declines in the volumes of supply. And at the same time, growth in demand. We have people coming in from overseas in high levels of immigration. We have uh, a rental crisis. Lack of availability in stock is driving some people who were renting in to look to buy. And we're actually seeing affordability drive people who were previously looking at a, a house or a detached house having to sort of adjust their expectations and start looking at apartments at a lower price point. So you are seeing these really interesting economic trends, which we're observing across the country, play out in the property market as well. Jason Pellegrino there, CEO of Domain. This SBS on the Money stream is provided for informational purposes only. The content in this stream should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and it does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.